0: Let's read beginning in verse 1 and get the full context of our passage this morning, and then we'll, we'll take a look at verses 10 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Paul be, or John begins this, this gospel with just this incredible beginning this announcement of the deity of Christ, the self-sufficiency of Christ, the fact that he doesn't come from anyone, that he is eternal, that he's always existed, that he is the sovereign God of this universe, makes it so clear that all things were created through him. He's light, he's life. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. A radical, radical verse that is. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. We, we had the joy of of getting some, some tickets several years ago to to go to a dinner in which there's all of these professional athletes that are there. And all the, these former Lakers and Kings and Ducks and start fights right now in church. <laughs> Angels and Dodgers and Galaxy and... We did just all these players that are there. It's like 90 some percent professional athletes and like 10% people like me that just look like professional athletes. (laughs) (laughs) And, and we're there and, and I see, I see Ron say, you know, Ron say, Ron say played for the Dodgers. Just an incredible player. Um, he played with the Dodgers from 1971 to 1982 and World Series MVP, six-time All-Star, six years in a row. And I'm with my sister, my brother's there. I'm with my sister Angela, and we say, that's, that's Ron Say right there. She's like, Are you sure? We're, we're sure. It's Ron Say. And she says, I'm going to go ask him. I'm like, don't ask him. That's weird. Just, it's Ron Say. So she goes up to him and says, you look familiar. (laughs) Did you play baseball? And he goes, no, and walked away. So Angela comes back and says, that's not Ron Say. He didn't play baseball. And we're like, he did play baseball. He is Ron Say. You just offended him because you did not know him. And you're supposed to know him although you were a toddler when he was playing you're supposed to know him and then they announced him shortly after and she just felt terrible and and but she didn't know him he expected to be known i was showing tasha just all these people like that's james worthy over there and that's michael cooper right there and there's cream and which which i you know she was a toddler at that time too so she didn't know but <laughs> She sees one athlete, and she's like, I know that guy. That's the only one I know. I know him. And I'm like, I don't know him. If I don't know him, you don't know him. And she said, no, I know him. I know that guy. That guy I know. For sure I know him. I don't know where I know him from, but I know him. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, okay, he looks like an athlete, but I don't know him. You don't know him either, honey. And she's like, I do. And I didn't believe her. But sure enough, finally they announced him, and It was Billy blanks, the Taibo guy. So there's a reason. There's a reason I didn't know him. I had never done Taibo, and that was the beginning of my wife's martial arts. As a staff, we were here, and there was others that were here as well. People that were kind of in that under thirty age group, and I mentioned Pele. And all of them are like, who? What do you mean, who? Pele. I have no idea what you're talking about. They said, Pele. And I thought they were messing with me just because I'm a soccer guy. I'm like, no, come on. It's like Muhammad Ali, Pele. Like, you know, like Michael Jordan, like Pele. Like synonymous, like greatest athletes of all time, Pele. Scored. 1,281 goals. Pele, Guinness Book of World Records, most goals ever scored by any soccer player. Pele. Three World Cups, most in history, best soccer player of all time. And they honestly had no idea who he was. Just forgotten. He was on my lunch pail, but yet he was forgotten by this generation. (laughs) And you see people where... In our minds, it's just, oh, I just want to do it like Pele. I want to be able to do a bicycle kick like Pele. I want to be able to dribble like Pele. And you would think about him all the way growing up from a little guy. So it's like, who's the best of the best? Pele. And yet, forgotten. It's one thing to forget people who the world would look at as, as stars. But here we find in the Gospel of John... He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. It's just radical. He was in the world. A God who is at all places at all times. A God who, who made everything. He made all of the stars that are in the sky, all of the galaxies. He made Whales, and he made dolphin, and he made giraffe, and elephants, and horses, and sheep. He made butterflies, and he made little aphids that are there on a rose. A God who makes all things, creates all things. He made us in his own image. He breathed into us life. He created us with a purpose, and he created us for his glory, and he did these things, making all things perfectly in order, all that he created, all powerful in his might, all good in his character, perfectly righteous, all holy in his glory. And you, you think of the, the creator of all that exists, and the Holy Spirit inspires the apostle John to say, and the world did not know him. They didn't know him. think in Romans chapter 1 where where God describes just all of mankind he tells us that God's wrath is coming upon mankind and the reason why is because man has suppressed the truth and unrighteousness suppressed the truth God is there God has created all things God is holy God is good God is a God who cannot be a part of sin. God has revealed himself to all people, and yet God says, My wrath is coming upon them because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They have forgotten about me. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, we're told. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. And therefore God also gave them over to uncleanness, and the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature, rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever Amen, and we, we read a passage like that and it just describes mankind. It tells us that that he has made his his invisible attributes clearly seen, and yet man suppresses the truth they they look and, 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 and they rather than run towards him, they run in their sinful natures away from him they don 't want to have anything to do with him they don 't want to be close to him they don 't want to be before a holy God, and so what they do is they make they take him in, in all of his beauty, in all of his perfection, and they don't glorify him as that, and they change his glory of, of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. They, they say, let's, let's make God like an animal. Let's make it so that he's a cow. Or let's make it so that he's just nature itself. Or let's make it so that he's this idol that we have set up. Let's make God into our own image. Let's make him someone that is like us. Let's make him someone that is not holy, that is not perfect, that can be a part of sin. Let's make it so that we can just do these things. And if we just do these things, we're okay. We'll make a God the kind of God that we want to have. And God just says, absolutely not. They've suppressed the truth and righteousness. I've revealed myself to them and they suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. In John 3.19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. Thus saith the Lord. Here's the condemnation. Light has come into the world. Christ has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than the light. Why? Why? because their deeds were evil. So here as we look at the beginning of this section, God was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. They did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. It's not just that the world didn't know him, but he came to his own. He came to Israel. He came to this nation that he had chosen for himself. He came to this, this country in which he had given he had given prophets to, he had given those to lead the country, priests to. He had given them. The covenants. He had given them His word. He had given them the law. He had given them all of these things. He had given them prophecy after prophecy after prophecy to point them to Christ who was to come. Just incredible detail that was given of where He was going to be born. The time in which He would come. That He'd be born of a virgin. I mean, going through just detail after detail you could just trace the entire life of Christ through the Old Testament as you look at the prophecies. And yet Here, John, in in writing these things, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. It was prophesied of that in Isaiah 53, where it tells us, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when We see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. So it just gives a a description there of of Isaiah 53 saying, when he comes, this is what it is going to be like. Despised, rejected. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You see, Jesus talking about this in a parable, where he tells us that there was there was a certain man in the book of Luke chapter twenty, a certain man that planted a, a vineyard. He leased it to the, these these vine dressers, and then he goes into a far country. At the vintage time, he he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard, but. When the vine dressers see the servant coming, they beat him. They send him away empty handed. He sends another servant and they beat him also. They treated him shamefully and they sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. And then the owner of the vineyard, Jesus says, said, What shall I do? I'll send my beloved son. Probably they'll respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He'll come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. And he looked at them and he said, What then is this that is written, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, and on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes at that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken this parable against them, which is a radical parable. you look at this and Jesus is describing, I sent prophets, I sent prophets, I sent prophets, and you beat them, and you beat them, and you killed them, and you, you wanted nothing to do with them. I sent you my son, and you 've killed him. The chief cornerstone has been rejected. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And so these chief priests and the scribes, these guys that are like like the the top guys as far as those that would know God's word, that would have studied God's word, who have memorized God's word, who would have written down God's word, these scribes that would have gone through and, and, and they should know it from beginning to end. And yet even as... The Son of God is saying, you are these people. They're just reasoning among themselves, we just want to kill him right now. We want to kill him. If it wasn't for the fact that these people are following him, that we might lose popularity amongst these people, if it wasn't for that, we would kill him right now. We'd kill him right now. And you look at this and you just think, This is what God was describing. I mean, all through Scripture, it goes through and talks about Christ who was to come and all of these ages of people who are looking ahead to Christ coming, to the Messiah who was to come. Now he's come and he's rejected and even killed. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. And then comes verse 12 in our text this morning. What an incredible text this is. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. The the world has rejected him. His people have rejected him. But now the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle John to write, "But, but as many as have received him, To as many as believe in him and place their faith in him. To as many as have followed him as both their Lord and as their Savior. To as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. You you hear uh, this, this idea of a universal God. Head as, as far as his him being father and us being his children and it doesn't matter what religion you are it doesn't matter what you believe we're all children of God we are all God's people true we, we've all been created in the image of God but our text before us this morning makes it very clear that to as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to whoever has received him, to whoever has believed in him, placed their faith in him, he gave the right to become children of God. What an amazing verse that is for us. R- regardless of your background, regardless of whether you're a, of high stature or low stature, regardless of your education, regardless of what sins you have committed in the past, to be able to hear the words of God saying, as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. To those who believe in him. Even when, when John was an, was an old man, he, this idea of, of being a child of God was something that just caused his heart to have incredible delight He says in in 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Behold what manner of love that you and I, that we should be called His children. That we should be given an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that doesn't fade away, that's reserved in heaven for us. That we should be able to be adopted into his family and spend eternity with him as children of God. And John, just thinking of Christ, behold, think of the love that he has for us that we would be called his children. He goes on and says, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he's revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. It just radically changes as far as the way that we think and the way that we live when we start thinking we are children of God, we belong to him. We will be with him and we'll be like him and we will see him as he is. And he is our heavenly father. And he just says, when you start thinking that way, when you realize that it's, it's not, I'm here and I'm alone, or I'm here and things aren't going the way that I want it to go, or I'm here and, and life is difficult, or I'm here and I'm sick and I don't know how much time I have. When you start looking at everything that's around you, John, as an old man, just says, Behold what manner of love, that you're called children of God and you're going to be like him and you will be with him and you will see him as he is, and he says, when, when you have this hope, it, just, it, it purifies you. It changes you. But as many as received him, as many, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. In John 6, 37, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. What a, what a calling that is. I've met people who genuinely think, I just, I just have to clean things up first. And then I'll come to him. I, just, I need to get these areas of my life right. And here are the words of Jesus. All that the Father gives me, they will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I'll by no means cast out. He'll never say like, no, you've done too much wrong. He makes it so clear for a person who thinks like that. If that's how you are this morning, he tells you things where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. He, he, He set it up so that there would be a thief next to him on the cross that would say, remember me. And hearing the words of Christ coming right back, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. Just that assurance, just remember me. We go from here to verse 13. So it has just talked about as many as who who have received him, To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So this would be Christians. This would be you who are here this morning who place your faith in Christ and his work for you upon the cross. Those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. who were born again, who were born of God, who were radically changed. And then it goes and gives us these negatives of what it was not. It was not because of being born of blood. You're not born again because it was based on the family that you were born into. It wasn't based on your ethnicity. It's not based on the fact that you are born in a primarily Christian country we 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 have a lot of that in america today you know are, are you a christian well i'm i'm half methodist and i'm half jewish as if it's based on what our parents were part methodist part presbyterian as if you're just born into it In Luke 3, we hear John the Baptist saying, Don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God's able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. It's not based on who your dad was, or who your dad is, or who your mom is. It's not based upon the family in which you grew up in. It's not of blood, but because God saved us according to his grace. A sanctuary like ours, there's a lot of families who are here and those that sit with their mom and dad, whether you're youth or whether you're an adult. There's those that went to church with their mom and dad when they were younger, and now they continue to go to church because you're supposed to come to church. But this passage should impact us just to know that it's not because of what you were brought up in that makes you a Christian. The question is: Have you been born again? Have you been born of God? I look, and, and I'm certain that when my kids are older, they're gonna they're gonna know the right answers to the questions. Why? Because we rehearse it with them over and over again. Um, Natalie had swimming lessons this last week, and. I don't know whether her swim instructor is a Christian or not, but she was there, and I'm listening to Natalie and the little three-year-old just saying, I'm going to reach my hands all the way in the sky, all the way up to God. But I don't have to because he's right here in my heart right now. And the instructor, like, yes, he is. Like, how cute are you, you know? (laughs) You're listening to we 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 all the TV shows that are on right now that I there's so many that are so poor and so we we decided to to buy like the the first couple seasons of Little House on the Prairie because you know just you know that's what I grew up on you know Pa Ma you know A little half pint you know like you got like the the, the family and so we're we're watching it and you know there Charles Ingalls is and he's working in the field and he's just working and he's working and he's working and he's building his you know his house and going in the field and needs to do his crops and he's trying to to save up enough money for the plow and so he's just working and working and he he's been working two jobs a day, and they're coming home and continuing to work, and it's the Lord's Day. It's Sunday morning, and they're all getting ready to go to church, and he falls asleep. And Ma looks at him and let's just go to church. So they go to church, and it's, 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 it's Ma, three girls there at the church, and here's the reverend up there saying, See some of you are here without your your whole family, without your dads here, and, and then he starts to go into. You know that in order for you to be saved, you need to you need to believe, and you need to be in here at church, or you are not saved. And Jonathan doesn't. Looks at me, Daddy. That's not true. I said, that's right, Jonathan. What's true? He said, you're saved by faith alone. (laughs) Not based on whether you're at church or not. I'm like, yes. Our kids, they have solid theology as a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And some of you, you've grown up in the church. You know. You know you're saved by faith alone. You know that Christ is God. You know that he was fully God and he was fully man. You know that Satan is the, uh, is the creation and that he will be destroyed. And you understand heaven and you understand hell and you know the hymns and you know all these things because you grew up within the church. But the question is, is are you saved? Are you saved? Because as many as who have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, But when you believe in his name and there's true and living faith that is within your heart, not only do you know the facts about who Christ is, but you love him too, don't you? Every believer here this morning will say, absolutely, absolutely, I love him. It's not just that I know facts about him. And I can tell you that the Reverend Olden has terrible theology on Little House on the Prairie. But the fact that he has saved you. He's forgiven you of all of your sins. The Holy Spirit is within you and he is molding you and conforming you into his image. There's a change that's taking place where when you wander away, he leaves the ninety and nine and goes and gets the one that went astray and brings you back. There is a desire to please him. There's a desire to honor him. There's a desire to glorify him. With your life, you look and you say, not only is he my savior, but he's my Lord. And I love him. I, I want to worship him. I want to please him. I want to live my life for him because I'm saved. And it, It's not whether you grew up in a Christian home. It is not by blood. You must be born again. There must be a change that takes place in your life where true repentance has taken place. There's been a true sorrow for sin, a true repentance that has occurred. And your hope Your only hope in this life is Christ has taken my sins upon himself and he's given me his righteousness, that he is God and he died on the cross for me so that I could forever spend eternity with him. And that is my only hope in this life. And as a result, I adore him and I love him and I desire to follow him. It's not just I know the facts. It's do I have a relationship with Christ to as many as received him to them, we give the right to be children of God, to those who believe in His name, having been born again, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. We're told that we're not born again by the will of the flesh. We didn't save ourselves. You, you, You did not will yourself into God's family by your own strength or your own determination or your own resolve. Once again, we were saved by God. It's not a matter of, am I determined enough to get into heaven? Am I determined enough to do everything that I'm supposed to do to get into heaven? The question is, is is there true and living faith in your heart to where your hope is in Christ and you have been born again by God who has done that work in your heart to where He has done it? It's not by what we do. You, you look in Romans 3 where it tells us there's none that understands, there's none who seeks after God. Or Romans 3:20, therefore by the deeds of the flesh or by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight. There's no amount of emotions, no amount of work, no amount of discipline that can save you. You must be born of God. You're not going to be saved because you're a good wife or you're a good husband or you're a good dad or you're a good mom or you're a good daughter or you're a good son or you're a good student or you're a good friend or you're a good citizen or you're a hard worker because you attempt to do good deeds. You must be born again. And so it's not about looking at your life and saying, I'm doing everything right. Look at what I've done. Look at the life that I live. I'm doing everything my mom and dad told me to do. I'm living as a good citizen. I'm doing all the right things. It is not by the will of the flesh. It's not by your resolve, your discipline. It is not by that. You must be born again. Scripture is so clear on that. You must be born again. You must have your heart quickened by the Holy Spirit. You must believe in Him. You must follow Him as your Lord and as your Savior. You must be born of God. In 1 Peter one twenty three, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. You're born again not from corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. The word of God. Through the proclamation of the word that you're saved. You hear God's word and there's that moment in which those of you who are believers, you heard the word of God. You saw your sin. You saw your need of a savior. You saw that you you could do nothing on on your own to earn his favor. And you looked and you saw Christ and you, you saw him who had died on the cross for your sins and gave you his righteousness and tells you things like, whosoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. And you sat there just saying, I need to place all of my hope in him. And you're saved as the Holy Spirit works in your heart in regeneration through the hearing of God's word, through you looking at God's word and seeing a mirror and seeing what you look like and then seeing grace that comes to the cross. go from here. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Not only is it not by the will of your flesh and your own passions and your own emotions and your own abilities, it's also not by the will of man. Um. You sit here with your moms this morning, possibly. Family members who are around you who are saved. Maybe people who have brought you here. And I could tell you, like, with, with, with my kids, I just, I, just I, I want them to be saved. I, I just, I, I want them, I, I so badly want them to have the light of God's word come and, and and for them to see Christ. I want them to hear the gospel. I want them not only to be able to correct Little House on the Prairie, but I want them to treasure Christ above all things. I want them to have a true and genuine faith. But as much will as I could desire for them to be there, they must be born again. It's It has to be a work that God does in your heart to cause you on a morning like today to see that you are a sinner in desperate need of salvation, in desperate need of grace. You are a person this morning. Every one of us is in desperate need of the grace of God. And the only way that we can find the grace of God is through the work of Christ upon the cross. The only way is by being born of God, by faith in Christ. You have a verse that preceded saying, as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. But how were they born? It wasn't because of their family, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. They were born of God. Our passage for us this morning is just radical to be able to look and say all of us could spend eternity with him, but you must be born again. You must be born of God. There must be a regeneration that takes place within your heart. There must be God causing you to no longer be blind and dead in your sins and trespasses. He must quicken you. He must make you alive. There must be a genuine faith that is in him to where you're not, you're not saved by riding on the Tales of your parents or others that are saved around you. But a genuine faith that comes as a result of the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. May today be the day of salvation for anybody who's here this morning. He was in the world. The world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord God, what, what, what an incredible couple of verses that we looked at this morning. The gospel The gospel of a sovereign, all-powerful God who creates all things. Who reveals our sin. And yet has made a way for us to spend eternity with him. As you, according to your grace, according to the working of your Holy Spirit, cause us to be born again. We pray on a morning like this morning that, that there would not be one person who leaves our sanctuary this morning without hearing the incorruptible seed of your word, and that it would change them, causing them to be born again as your Holy Spirit works and quickens them unto salvation. thankful for the salvation in which you have given us. We're thankful that you have called us to be children of God. And may we now respond properly with just worshiping you and partaking in communion in such a way that that you're exalted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.